0: From the Carnegie Tsinghua Center in Beijing, China, this is the China in the World podcast hosted by Paul Hanley.
1: Here was my good friend Jorg Woodka, president of the EU Chamber of Commerce, to talk today about China EU economic relations in the year ahead. Thank you, Jorg, for joining the Carnegie Tsinghua China and the World podcast this morning. Thank you for the opportunity. To start out, um, I want to talk a little bit about EU economic and trade relations as we move into a new year. Last week, there were a number of uh, of developments, a landmark year I would say for EU-China economic relations. Several high-level visits by European leaders to China. Prime Minister uh, Premier Li Keqiang uh, went to Europe to celebrate the 40th anniversary of diplomatic relations. In April, President Xi Jinping became the first Chinese president to visit the European Union headquarters. In the coming year I wanted to get a sense from you what you think we can expect uh, in terms of Chinese priorities for its own economic and trade ties with the EU and what are EU priorities for advancing the China EU economic and trade relationship well 2015
0: has been another blockbuster year in trade um, I think we trade 1.5 billion euro uh, a day um, and uh, the European Union is the, the largest trading partner with uh, with uh, China. Um, uh, it's still imbalanced uh, that you have more Chinese exports into Europe uh, but interesting enough uh, the uh, trade between Germany and China is balanced um, mm. and Germany covering 50% of uh, exports out of China in, out of Europe into the uh, Chinese uh, uh, industry landscape um, So uh, trade has been very good um, but what was notable last year was a complete change in Uh, investment uh, flows. Uh, You had uh, uh, again uh, sizable investment of Europeans in China but uh, it's less than nine billion US dollars whereas um, uh, China has invested around about 22 billion US dollars into the European Union um, in comparison 15 into the United States. So Europe is very attractive. It's mostly equity investment Mm -hmm. um, uh, the biggest one of course being uh, Camp China buying Pirelli mm-hmm. um, and um, we have seen sizable deals uh, uh, since. Um, that is really a game changer yeah. uh, that uh, China becomes a major stakeholder in Europe mm-hmm. uh, with jobs, mm-hmm. uh, with economic presence, with a say, which is something we like. Mm-hmm. Um, it entices uh, the Chinese uh, to a step up to the plate on the investment agreement mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at the same time also uh, alerts the decision-makers here that actually European uh, investment creates less jobs in China than uh, is possible because of the constraints we still face and Chinese create a lot of jobs in Europe which Mm -hmm. is something we welcome of course. So it's a a good development and 2016 uh, remains to be seen. Uh, China has economic headwinds. Uh, That could mean that there's more Chinese investment in Europe Mm -hmm. as they look for different markets. And uh, there might be less um, uh, anticipated uh, European investment in China because the fact is uh, we are facing overcapacity, uh, mm-hmm. lower growth potential and so forth, and, mm-hmm. and frankly in many areas we would like to invest more and do more business, but constraints are as they are. We have a European Chamber position paper every year outlining on 800 areas, 400 pages where the problems
1: mm-hmm. are. And how has, uh, to this point, or how do you see it in the future, the economic slowdown in China affect all of this? I think that it has affected it in
0: real-time investment. People uh, in head offices in European Union countries get more cautious. Um, <clears throat> again, uh, we have um, uh, massive problems in our import structure. <coughs> steel has been importing. Uh, in China's uh, steel imports grew by forty percent last mm-hmm. year. Um, uh, makes that group uh, uh, very vocal uh, in the present market economy status discussion. Um, and uh, so it's it's something where uh, we see layoffs uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in European operations here in China it's overall it's just more caution and it's an yeah. unexpected new feeling that China slows down uh, we are uh, world champions in recession handling in Europe uh, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. China having sort of uh, something of a long landing or hard landing is,
1: is something we never experienced so sure. um Last weekend we saw the official launch of the Chinese uh, Chinese-led Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank, the AIIB. Fifteen EU countries have signed up as founding members of the bank. Um, As you and I have talked before, famously the United States of course had a a different approach to this and uh, is not a founding member. Um, There seems to be a different perspective on the AIIB coming out of the US that is coming out of the EU and I wanted you to talk a little bit if you could to our listeners about how the EU countries see this Chinese initiative. Yeah, I mean, we always ask China to
0: become a responsible stakeholder, to get uh, step up to the plate and got get involved in international affairs. Um, uh, the World Bank is uh, very much an American-driven uh, uh, thing. The IMF is, is very much European. Uh, we have the Asian Developing Bank, which is Japanese, and now basically the second largest world economy. The biggest trader in the world, China, uh, also wants to have uh, uh, its footprint somewhere, and and we have to acknowledge this. Yeah. Now, uh, are they going to do it in the vintage style of control and intransparent handling, or are we part of this and basically make sure that they are uh, basically in line in what uh, World Bank, IMF, and ADB are doing? And that's why European countries, mm-hmm. in the majority, uh, actually. Um, uh, joined this group uh, in order to be part of that. Uh, It's a great pity that this divided Europe and the U.S. um, and uh, it it definitely took a bit of um, a shine off the U.S. as a global leader uh, because normally Europe follows the U.S. uh, in that topic. uh, I think it was just too obvious we had to be part of this in order to steer it from the inside.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you look around, there's 56 other countries now around the table shaping the way this uh, is built. And I think that's a that's a positive aspect and you know my, my sense is that the u.s. is coming around um, mm-hmm. if you look at the state visit there were positive statements in the in the uh, agreement documents that where the u.s. welcomes Chinese contributions to infrastructure development but um, so I th- but I think there's more room for the u.s. to get around and, and, and approach this more constructively um, I I tend to agree with you uh, on that going forward. Another major Chinese initiative which has been elevated to the top of China's foreign policy uh, priority uh, is the Belt and Road Initiative, the E-Dai, E-Lu. It's hard to be in China and not on a daily basis come across something on the E-Dai, E-Lu. Big push here in China, as you know. How does the EU look at this, in generally speaking, uh, from your perspective, uh, launched in 2013? How do you think this grand infrastructure plan will complement European interests, yeah. uh, if at all, uh, and benefit the EU, and, and what, what concerns would you have on it? It was raised in Kazakhstan uh,
0: years ago by President Xi Jinping, and uh, it, of course, emulates the old Silk Road image, in, and we are the receiving end in Europe. Uh, it ends in Venice or it ends in Germany. And uh, hence um, we are the other stakeholder and we are mystified by what it actually means. (laughs) Uh, We are trying to figure it out uh, we are looking at projects and I think it's more of a political concept, Mm. uh, a voice of uh, we are reaching out uh, rather than kind of here's the money and we built another highway. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a bit of a mismatch of expectation from our side and actually what Chinese can deliver. Mm -hmm. And the problem also seems to be within the Chinese leadership that um, the president voiced it, but the bureaucracy is still trying to figure out how to put the rubber on the road. Mm-hmm. And um, so one belt, one road, <coughs> I'm very, uh, very positive on this um, one road. Uh, I think this mm-hmm. is the Maritime Silk Road. You have uh, lots of uh, billions of customers, India, Southeast Asia, Arabia. Uh, China can basically help. Uh, to uh, get this uh, better connected by infrastructure investment mm-hmm. uh, i would be very very cautious on the one belt which is the uh, central asian central route Asia. yeah. uh, because between uh, xian uh, central china and uh, the first major country on the on the on the map uh, iran turkey uh, you have 60 to 70 million customers so yeah. it's non existent it's mm-hmm. it's uh, not even uh, 60% of Hebei province or Hunan province. So, in a way, it's, it has to be something that um, uh, has to develop, it has to be feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, One Belt, One Road, you will see, uh, will color a lot of projects be it gas buying, be it an airport, be it this and that. Um, but the Chinese are still trying to figure it out. It certainly um, is for us interesting in Europe uh, because we want to have improved uh, rail connections. It cuts our uh, uh, goods transportation time sure. by mm-hmm. half. Uh, the problem is of course um, It goes through very questionable areas uh, Ukraine and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way I think it's a political concept, but uh, boy the fine print is still missing. Yeah,
1: I think uh, you use this phrase that you were mystified. I think mm-hmm. I have run into a lot of Chinese government officials, frankly, who are mystified, and they're 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 the ones who have to put the meat on the bones on this plan. And I think uh, you get the sense that um, you know Xi Jinping has really, like like other initiatives, kind of planted the flag, mm-hmm. and that the bureaucracy is now having to mm-hmm. catch up. But mm-hmm. uh, the risk is they're moving into a period. It sounds like you're saying where. The Chinese are going to need to begin to implement this plan. You know, we're mm-hmm. out of an, we're out of the phase where we've yeah. announced it and everyone um, is is aware of it. It now is moving into the implementation phase, and it sounds like that'll be, you think, uh, a little more complicated, especially through some of these unstable areas uh, where, frankly, my own country, the United States, has tried and had a mixed bag yeah. in terms of success.
0: 2016, we s- we have to see a lighthouse project. We have yeah. to see a major one, which is new. Uh, the Pakistan Kafar port was sort of relabeled one road, one belt, and mm. uh, this is not good enough. Uh, mm. And again, unfortunately, China had some uh, top uh, officials talking about uh, overcapacity connecting it to one road, one belt, which is ill-advised. There is so much overcapacity in the market. The European Chamber will launch a, a major study on the 22nd of uh, February, days before the G20 finance minister's meeting. Mm-hmm. There is no way... Overcapacity can be alleviated by one belt, one road. It's mm. just simply mm. not going to happen. Mm.
1: Let's shift uh, gears a little bit and talk about the business environment here in China. Mm. You do a lot of work, obviously, in your capacity as the president of the EU Chamber of Commerce, uh, looking at uh, the business environment for European businesses. How do EU countries see the business environment now, and what will and, and in the year ahead, uh, in particular, what developments are you watching for? Where are the opportunities and where are your concerns? I think it is more clear
0: to most uh, market participants that uh, economic headwinds are there. The debt structure in uh, local governments and, and companies is, is coming to the forefront uh, there's going to be slower growth uh, you might label it the new normal factors we are out of this golden age of double digit growth sure. and demographic sweet spot so the investment uh, climate or the business climate is going to get rougher mm-hmm. um, uh, we still wait for uh, cl- uh, the clearing up of the overcapacity they always talk about this the right. new label is the supply side story right. um, and uh, then of course uh, it's most interesting to us is the shift for manufacturing, where we pretty much have uh, open access to service sector, where we pretty much see uh, a very closed segment. So Service sector, even closed sector. Even, even if uh, the Chinese service sector develops very fast right. uh, we might be uh, outside uh, the wall mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, so GDP growth might be six, seven, eight percent whatever region you talk about in China uh, possibly coastal areas are most interesting to our service sector um, uh, participants uh, you might not be part of this mm-hmm. um, and hence the, the European Chamber brings up all these ideas of opening up the banking sector, the insurance sector the logistics area which is red pepper hot right now in China Mm -hmm. doing extremely Mm -hmm. well Um, movies uh, is plus 50% I mean there are areas where China does extremely well and we are not participating Mm -hmm. and uh, so basically uh, it it is for us and also for AmCham our Uh, brothers uh, in order to lobby for the opening and we do this with the investment agreement. Mm -hmm. Um, Again China has a huge interest in in participating in the European Union and be uh, on the secure side there, Um, hence uh, we have investment agreements where we actually feel okay in China, we want market access and that's the service sector. So the business climate is murky difficult, Uh, we're going to have one or two years of difficult growth pattern uh, but again, the uh, Chinese government has to send some positive notes in this more grim and economic environment by market opening in order to entice us to step up here and invest.
1: Lastly, Jörg, uh, you and I have been friends for a long time. We've been on a lot of panels together. Uh, as an American, I want to raise you know, an issue that, that's, that appears to me that you and I have talked before. The EU, uh, in terms of looking at China and its own vital interests, <coughs> puts primary emphasis it seems on economic and commercial and in contrast i think to the americans looking at china uh... where we have security issues and other issues of strategic uh... context do you think with regard to the eu that this primary emphasis on commercial and economic will stay that way going forward into the future or or will it broaden out uh... and if so how do you see it broadening out where there'll be areas where the eu and china can work on strategic issues or areas where they can enhance global cooperation, so to speak. What are the areas of the greatest opportunity and, and greatest concern to you in this regard? Yeah. I mean, we are less um,
0: active um, as Europeans in in security matters, uh, frankly, because we are not anywhere close to where the US is uh, in the Asia Pacific region. Uh, We have our own uh, problems in Ukraine and and, and Eastern Europe and now with the refugees uh, problems, migration problems in Europe. So in a way, uh, we we can't add another topic to our list uh, uh, and hence, uh, in this respect, uh, Asia looks far away, in China in particular. Um, trade does well, I mean, except this uh, trade access barriers. Uh, so European-China relationship is, um, is very much mercantile. And that also comes across because the, the European uh, Commission and Brussels has only this kind of trade portfolio. Yeah. And then underneath that, you have 28 member states. That show in very different ways how they care about topics. Uh, being German, I can, I can sort of assess this better. Human rights has always been very, very uh, front and center mm-hmm. in, in German politics. Sure they have a Workshop uh, uh, headed by the ministers of justice and uh, Chancellor Merkel was here, yeah. uh, and she oversees dissidents. So it's yeah. not that she shies away. Right. Uh, other European leaders definitely have a different approach towards this. Uh, yeah. So, but on on security, um, uh, we are certainly concerned about uh, free navigation in uh, uh, in the South China Sea. We're concerned about uh, certainly from a trade perspective. Definitely, right? definitely I mean, open yeah. open sea uh, is is crucial to us. So I hope that our politicians. Uh, will actually realize this. Uh, myself, I will actually lead a major delegation next week, the entire week, meeting nine commissioners, parliament, uh, in order to actually uh, raise China uh, as a topic there so it doesn't fall off the table.
1: Well, York, thank you very much for your time. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You've been here quite a while. You have very unique and important insights, and we appreciate you joining the China in the World podcast. and coming back so much. again. Thank you. Thank you.